Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today we are having a conversation about burnout, transparency, and self-care, but we're not doing it alone today. Uh, we are joined by Evan Marbury uh, to hash out these important topics. Evan is a licensed clinical health counselor associate in North Carolina and a certified clinical trauma professional. Uh, he serves as an assistant pastor at Christ Central Durham, uh, and he was one of the speakers for our recent Endure uh, workshop on pastoral burnout. Evan, brother, thank you so much for joining today's conversation. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I've been a fan and a subscriber since the beginning, and so really honored to, to be able to be a guest. Oh, man, thanks for the encouragement. So a few mm. weeks ago, we hosted a workshop here at Southeastern on pastoral burnout. Uh, you were one of the speakers for that. And in your talk, you made the comment, we need to be honest with ourselves. Pastoral ministry is hard. When when you made the comment, I, I thought, absolutely, no one will disagree with that. There's nobody in this room that's going to say, I disagree with that. And yet we, we find so many pastors who are unprepared or who maybe even suppress the fact that this is a reality in, in pastoral ministry. Why is that? I think uh, many pastors in general just, just feel a pressure to be omnicompetent. Uh, mm -hmm. They feel that generally, uh, but in particular uh, in this season of uh, intense and unprecedented disruption uh, and everyone's trying to grasp for some normalcy. The pastor, the leader, the spiritual expert is supposed to have an answer. And then on top of just the normal pressures that the church might expect them to preach well and lead well and plan well and have a good family and have a good devotional life and visit me in the hospital and do my weddings and my funerals and drive the church bus too, mm -hmm. do, do all the things and do them well. Uh, and there's that unrealistic expectation and it's a pastor can feel like, how can I really share my hurt? How can I really take up space with my hurt and my frustrations and my disappointment in this moment? So many pastors believe that they're human theologically, uh, but we often struggle to, to live into that reality. Um, and so it's a disconnect oftentimes. Hmm. So you said uh, we need to be honest with ourselves. Um, do you think that pastors have an honesty issue? when it comes to burnout and, uh, and their struggles? And, and if so, why, why do you think that is? Uh, I do. I think there's, there's a, a struggle in one sense of like honest uh, to ourselves and honest with other people, to other people um, that we often live in denial because pastors are often expected to be the spiritual and moral exemplars, mm -hmm. uh, right? People come to church expecting the pastor to, to preach and to live the ideal Christian life. Uh, but the reality is all pastors preach a better gospel than they live. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we don't live up to our ideals. There's only one who actually lives up uh, to the ideals. So we're sinful. Uh, we, and, and we marry sinful people and we raise sinful kids. And many pastors don't know how to live in the tension of managing people's expectations, uh, not only for the church, but for us as the perceived moral standard. Um, that's a very crushing weight. So, so church people often expect pastors to have the, the full expression of the fruit of the Spirit, you know, which is loving and patient and kind all the time and always mm -hmm. and so forth. And, uh, and on, you add on top of that that you're supposed to be above reproach, 
kind of, you know, whatever that means, uh, which is often used inappropriately uh, to mean uh, do not be a perceptible sinner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so when our sin is perceptible, then I know there's a lot of pressure there. And so it it often cultivates a a culture of hiding uh, for the pastor. Um, And so it is all that to say, I think it's a huge honesty issue that, that a lot of pastors are feeling crushed under the weight of. I really like what what Dr. Sam Williams said uh, during this event. Uh, He said, pastors shepherd a church, but oftentimes they ask themselves, do I have one? Uh, Pastors can often feel as if they are a team of one, uh, that they only struggle in isolation without being able to turn to those around them. Uh, What would you say to pastors that might feel this way? Who can they turn to when they are struggling with responsibilities of pastoring? Yeah, I think it's, it's really critical uh, that a pastor has confidence. I mean, to, to Dr. Williams, I remember when Dr. Williams said that, I think it's you know, an important point of like every Christian should have a church, and many pastors don't actually have a church. Uh, but more specifically, it's critical that uh, pastors have confidence. In their book, Resilient Ministry, uh, Bob Burns, Tasha Chapman, Donald Guthrie, they talk about the difference between confidants and allies, mm-hmm. uh, that allies are, are loyal to what you're loyal to, while confidants are loyal to you, regardless of what you're loyal to. Um, and so you, you need accountability uh, f- for both. Both of those are really helpful. But pastors will feel more lonely if they don't have any confidants, uh, people that they can just be unhinged with uh, and not fear getting fired or rejected or kind of all the things that often cause pastors to hide. And so, for example, uh, you know, as a pastor that I was meeting with uh, that is, is struggling with deconstruction. Uh, he's has some some real questions about if hell is real, uh, mm-hmm. can I trust the Bible? And all the while he's leading a church, an evangelical church, uh, he, he can't share that uh, with just anyone, uh, at least not with the expectation that he won't be scrutinized, if not altogether lose his job. And so pastors need a place where they can wrestle through that. Mm-hmm. So a counselor, a mentor, a spiritual director, uh, maybe your wife, but you know you have to be careful with that because uh, your wife is, is also a member of your church, and that can be very complicated, especially if you're um, wanting to protect uh, from gossip and all of that. Uh, but there, there, there has to be that. And if, and if you don't have that, that will contribute to isolation and loneliness and often the things that spiral uh, in, in emotional, spiritual health. Hmm. Is is there a time frame for this? I mean, uh, for for pastors who need help, I mean, is it is it possible to uh, to get help too late? Um, uh, you know, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. So when I think about burnout, I, I think about it kind of on a meter scale. You know, it's so kind of a green to red, uh, and green is you know thriving and you know just a step down from Jesus, and red is uh, it's all the alarm bells are going off and I'm not going to make it. And I think in in the course of all pastors' lives, we we all kind of go back and forth on that meter. Some some seasons are closer to red, some seasons are closer to green, and you got some yellow and orange in there. Uh, and, and I think if you are chronically in the red uh, with, with no sense of kind of an end to the season of red, uh, you should take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't slap just spiritual language on there, uh, but, but you should uh, really be concerned. Because what often happens when you're in that place is um, it, it creates a narrative of self-pity. And so you, you have this sense of uh, nobody really cares about me. Nobody understands the pressure uh, that I'm under. Uh, and so you start to feel entitled to self-soothing that is is unhealthy or damaging to your ministry or to your marriage. Uh, and you do that because the normal healthy coping uh, that is is good uh, feels insufficient. 
Um, and so you're still trying to manage these things in an isolated way with self-pity, and it often turns into kind of these news stories that we hear about with these pastors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to, to the point of, like, is it too late? I, I don't think it's necessarily too late. I guess it depends on what we mean by that. But I do think we have to learn how to create some self-awareness. Um, and that actually never happens alone, mm-hmm. especially if you're burnt out. <laughs> uh, one, one of the, the, the biggest struggles of burnout is that you lose self-awareness and self-attunement. So you actually better understand your burnout in community. And so when's the last time you ask someone that you trust, how do you perceive me right now? Uh, do I seem checked out? Do I seem distracted? Do I, do I seem uh, listless? Uh, do I seem bitter? Uh, and do you actually trust their assessment of you? Um, and uh, oftentimes that kind of conversation that that does happen often too late. So I would encourage pastors to be proactive about that, about regular feedback um, mm-hmm. on a on an emotional, spiritual level. Mm-hmm. I'm about to butcher this, but one of the things that I, I love that you say, Ronjour, is that pastors need to lean into their creatureliness. Mm-hmm. I said it right mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. time. There we go. Um, <laughs> do you think that that would contribute to maybe pastors being more open to have some of these discussions and being open about some of the struggles they have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think of what uh, what Evan said just a few minutes ago, that um, uh, we we have this unrealistic, really superhuman mm-hmm. uh, uh, sense of, of the pastor, whether it's coming from the church, you know, as you were listing, you know, all the things that, all the expectations of the pastor, or if it's coming from the pastor himself, maybe, uh, you know, his ego, you know, needs, you know, like a, like a balloon needs a nice needle prick, you know, and just mm-hmm. pop the, the, the balloon a little bit. Um, and recognize that, yes, as humans, we are capable of doing remarkable things. In fact, probably more than we think we're, we're capable of. And yet, as humans also, we have limitations. We are creatures. Um, we are not God. <laughs> we are not the creator. Uh, and so we need to, to live in that, uh, using your word, Evan, that, that tension. Uh, um, we, we need to recognize that Yes, we're able to work. Yes, we're able to work hard. We're able to do, you know, a lot. And yet we're, we also need the time to step back and say, I, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, I, I only have so much energy. I only have so much uh, competence, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there are just certain things that I'm not able to do. I think also recognizing our role in Ephesians 4 uh, as pastors, we are tasked uh, by God to uh, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Right. And so anytime that we think of our role as the ones doing the work of the mm-hmm. ministry and the church becomes essentially, you know, the fans in the stands, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, cheering us on, you know, go ahead, pastor, you just go ahead and do all the things. Um, we, uh, we like that. I, I think there is a part of us as pastors that like that because you know, we we like being praised for our work, and 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 we you know certainly it feeds our ego a little bit, um, but at the same time, that's not what we were called to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're called to the equipping uh, uh, ministry, and so how do we uh, train others to do the work of the right. ministry? It's good for us in terms of our ego; it keeps us humble. We're not the ones doing everything, and therefore we can't get the credit for everything. Um, and also, it, it helps us uh, just from a, uh, a human aspect. 
uh, in that um, we are admitting over and over and over again that the work of the church is not one person's task, but it's all of us working right. together. So we recognize our and acknowledge our limitations in that in that aspect. So pastors need to lean into their creatureliness, but churches need to understand and give pastors mm-hmm. space to do that, right? Exactly. So, so mm-hmm. I was actually uh, just heard a story of a pastor who is is experiencing burnout right now. Uh, and approached his his church about taking an extended break. Uh, and the church said they would only pay for this extended break. They would only allow him to take this extended break if he was in the pew every Sunday uh, because they didn't want the church to feel like he wasn't getting paid for nothing. Mm-hmm. And so churches have to create an environment where pastors can be yeah. human, where mm-hmm. he isn't a, a super hero, superhuman. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you both yeah. agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think of Paul Tripp's book, Lead, that he recently uh, published, uh, where he's focusing in on not just the, the leader that experiences the moral failure, but the structure in which that failure was incubated, uh, that leaders do not fail in isolation. They, they do not burn out in isolation, even though they feel isolated. They, they, they burn out because they're part of a structure that doesn't that is not in agreement on cultivating emotionally healthy spirituality, as Peter Scazzaro would say. And so uh, I think um, leaders should be very concerned uh, if their pastor is not taking regular sabbaticals or is not engaging in spiritual retreats or does not do anything to invest in their own souls. Uh, if their pastor doesn't have a pastor, the, the whole leadership should be concerned about that. Uh, they shouldn't just uh, turn uh, turn away and say, "Well, well, he's the he's the expert. I'm sure he can he can manage on his own. I won't I won't press into that." Like, no, I, I think it's it's healthy to press into that as a as a leadership structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I totally agree as well. I, I want to come at it from the church's perspective. Um, for the church, one, um, we we have a tendency to um, to to guard against certain pitfalls, guard against certain dangers. Um, and, and as it tends to go with us as humans, uh, we put all of our effort and all of our energy into blocking one pitfall while being completely oblivious to the pitfall that we create <laughs> on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so we, I think there are churches who are perhaps wisely and perhaps with discernment are saying, you know, we don't want uh, our pastor to to take advantage of of us. We don't want him to abuse, you know, a sabbatical or something like that. We don't want him to go on sabbatical and never come back, you know, or something like that. And and so they they put that there and say, well, we don't want our pastor to you know to to do that because we're afraid of what that might happen, what might happen to the pastor if we if we do that or or whatever. The problem is you create another pitfall of having a pastor that never rests mm-hmm. and having a pastor that never mm-hmm. examines himself and never has the time to dig deeply into his soul uh, uh, and, 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 and do the work necessary to keep himself growing spiritually and so on as well. And so that's, that's something for the church that you, you, you want to uh, – I, I get that you're trying to use discernment and all of that, but at the same time you may be doing more damage to your pastor in the process. Right. And, and another thing on top of that is if you're doing that or if you have those suspicions – 
uh, about your pastor uh, taking um, advantage of sabbaticals or, or, you know, that he's not going to be a sharper pastor or, or more mature or walking with the Lord more closely and so on. Why is he your pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have those kinds of suspicions about your mm-hmm. pastor, you know, doing those things, then why did you call him to be your pastor in the first place? Obviously, by calling him to be your pastor, you're assuming that he has a level of spiritual maturity and that he's above reproach and so on. And if that's the case, then you should be able to trust him and trust the Lord uh, to give him the time that he needs to uh, to be alone with him. Hey, friends, uh, as always, we want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And while we've got you here, we want to let you know about an important opportunity that's coming up soon. November 30th is Giving Tuesday, and we want to invite you to support Southeastern in its mission to equip students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. This year, we've set a goal of reaching 500 gifts by the end of the day on Giving Tuesday. And every dollar that you give plays a critical role in helping prepare our students for gospel ministry around the world. And get this, every gift on Giving Tuesday will be matched dollar for dollar, meaning that every dollar that you give will have double the impact. So mark your calendars for Giving Tuesday on November 30th and be a part of what God is doing in and through Southeastern to fulfill the mission. Pastoral ministry isn't, in these difficult seasons, just hard on the pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard on his family as well, his, his wife and, and kids. So how can pastors care for not only themselves, uh, but for their families during seasons of ministry that are difficult? Uh, and maybe just opening up to both of you, what are some things that, that you've done to care for your families uh, during difficult seasons? Yeah, what, what comes to mind when I hear that question is, uh, is boundaries, <laughs> Uh, uh, boundaries, differentiation, and embracing your limits, which we, you know, we've talked about that already. And, uh, you know, differentiation, uh, um, uh, it's it's often defined as ability to stay close to self and stay close to others uh, without losing that line. Mm. And uh, too often pastors lose one or the other. Like we either get swept up in all the, the flows and the ups and downs and the anxiety of ministry, or we feel like people are infringing upon our peace, and so we just push people away. Uh, but we have to be able to be present with ourselves and others. Uh, and some of that comes from having good boundaries, um, and, and especially for, for family, feeling protective uh, of your family in ways that that you know, it depends on your ministry context. Um, but we, we can't be everything to everyone at every time. Um, and and our disappointments in ministry are, are going to be there when we clock back in, quote unquote. Um, we I don't know if we ever really clock out, but uh, but your kids only get one father. Uh, your your wife only only gets one husband, and uh, you you don't get do overs. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I would be mortified if the most prominent memories that my kids have is their father leaving to mm. do something with the church. Um, that would be really sad. And so various boundaries, you know, it, it can it can range. So, you know, boundaries that, that, that I set, and again, it's not necessarily copy and paste, is, you know, I try not to schedule uh, meetings in the evenings or the weekends, you know, sometimes program things that are unavoidable. But if someone wants to have a one-on-one, I try to do it within the business hours or uh, maybe it's a, it's a Zoom meeting, but I try to be, be at home. Um, 
And and also this is a small thing, but I, I try not to be working on my sermon on the weekend if I'm if I'm preaching that Sunday, which I know is, is hard because you know a lot a lot of pastors do those you know two two o'clock in the morning Sunday nights. Sunday morning specials, but, um, you know, the, the weekend is usually the time where there's most focused family time. And, uh, if you, if your kids are kind of seeing you off in the distance in your study, um, that that's gonna, that's gonna, they're gonna feel that. And your wife is gonna feel that as she has to wrangle your kids by herself. Um, but then also just, just general things, like how are you just cultivating, um, a, a sense of rest and people think about rest in various ways. I feel like rest is a type of confession. Like rest is confessional. Uh, when you choose to rest, when you choose to take a Sabbath, uh, you are actually saying, I'm going to take my hands off of this because I actually trust that you will hold it together. And if I don't actually trust that the Lord will hold my life together, then of course I will never take a Sabbath. Of course I will never rest. Of course I will never step away because everything depends on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if I'm refusing to rest, that really is a repentance issue. I I need to learn how to confess with my time that the Lord is sovereign and sufficient. Um, And so, you know, it can get legalistic quickly, but uh, I think that should be the operating, uh, the fuel system in that. Like, how am I really engaging with the sovereignty of the Lord and embracing my limits in that and stepping away uh, to actually see the salvation of the Lord? He does actually care for his ministry in ways that we could never. He cares about it more than we could ever. uh, So we should be able to give it to him at at least for a a consistent set amount of time uh, in the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I to be very honest, I I wish that I had leaned in a bit more with uh, Annie and the kids, uh, especially during our time in Baltimore. Um, you know, when when you're in ministry and particularly in a context uh, like like what we were in, you you just kind of dive in. And and you don't come up for air <laughs> because there's just there's so much work to be done, you know, and you never feel like you're like you're leaving the office mm-hmm. satisfied because mm-hmm. the the I mean the the task is just overwhelming, and I felt that, and I know that Annie and the kids felt that as well, and I I I could have done better in protecting them. Um, the hard thing is. It was near impossible to protect them. Um, mm-hmm. Our kids were very little at the time, and you know it, it's hard to protect when we're walking out of the house and into the you know at the time a minivan, and um, uh, you know on, along the way we're picking up used condoms and and used needles and things like that in our driveway. They seem to always find the spot in our driveway, mm-hmm. uh, whether that was intentional or not. We we may never know, but. Uh, but you know, you you have those types of things, and you just go. There's only so much that you can do to protect and to and to shield and and so on. When you know, ministry is not just what goes on within the doors of the church, but ministry is everything. You know, I mean, it, it was there, you know there was no no getting out. But we did have occasional moments where we would get into the the van and we would drive up to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, which is out in Amish country in the middle of nowhere. Uh, just a little shout out to a little spot over there called the Shady Maple, which is uh, uh, the absolute greatest uh, buffet you know known to mankind out there. Uh, but we would go out there for you know for several days, and we'd just be out in the out in the hills, out out in the middle of nowhere, just to 
to rest mm-hmm. <laughs> and and in some cases to cry, you know, uh, just all of the weight that you feel and just to be in a spot where where you feel weightless, you know, mm-hmm. where they're there, you know, the burden is off for just a few days and then we go right back in into it all. We didn't realize until we uh, got here to Wake Forest um, just how much uh, we were carrying, uh, mm-hmm. as uh, not just for me as a pastor, but for us as a family. Mm-hmm. Our kids started to open up a little bit uh, in the first year or so uh, that we were in Wake Forest. And, I mean, Annie and I had tears in our eyes because we didn't realize how much they were, were carrying mm-hmm. uh, just um, uh, in, in you know, years of life and ministry and so on there. Um, that has helped me out a lot as I have been here in this area and as we're doing ministry in Raleigh and, and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, there's much more work that, uh, and, and I think we're much more intentional now in thinking, how, what can we do you know, with the lessons that we learned in the city? What can we do over here to, you know, provide a little bit more structure and, and a, a, a be a, a bit more of a of an oasis, I guess you could say, uh, for our kids and for each other um, uh, while we're doing ministry here? Mm. That's really helpful, both from both of y'all. Um, let's let's talk a little bit more about self care. Mm. How is self care for pastors and and believers in general? different from maybe unbelievers? Uh, what are some ways that it actually might be the same? Yeah, so, you know, in, in the counseling world, uh, you know, self-care is uh, kind of a buzzword. Uh, I actually kind of move towards the language of self-stewardship rather than self-care um, because there, there is some similarity, you know, you know believers and non-believers. Uh, there, there's similarity in that there's focused attention on the self and tending to the self. I mean, you know, so you have the analogy of the car that needs maintenance or the razor that needs sharpening and so forth. Uh, but, but the difference in terms of self-stewardship versus self-care is an idea of possession. Uh, how do you treat something that you know doesn't belong to you? You know, 1 Corinthians 6, we were bought with a price. Galatians 2 says, there's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Philippians 1 says that to live is Christ. You know, when I drove my parents' car, <laughs> I, I acted way different than when I started driving my own car. <laughs> uh, be, because I'm in this mentality of stewardship, not ownership. Mm. Um, and so uh, we are called to steward all things, including ourselves. Uh, so pastors and believers should, uh, should take important critical moments for whatever self-stewardship you need be, because it's, it's a command from the Creator. Uh, the owner actually commands us uh, to, to love uh, ourselves because we are made in the image of God. Like we are not exceptional in his desire to care for us and to steward our bodies and our souls. You only get one body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that there's a distinction there, not altogether a difference, but I think that's where uh, often pastors uh, buck against that because they can feel self-indulgent. But it's not really self-indulgence, it's self-stewardship if you have the right heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. For any aspiring pastors listening to this conversation, what are some habits they can start doing now to better prepare them for the difficult seasons ministry will bring them? Because uh, it's inevitable, the difficult seasons are going to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, first, I you know I always you know, forget about this, but when we hear the term burnout, you know, I, uh, there's all kinds of definitions of what that is. I, I actually I use Second Corinthians one eight as a guide for identifying burnout. Uh, so Paul says, "For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself." 
Like that that just sounds like burnout language there. And then verse nine says we felt we received the sentence of death. Um, and, and there's actually some good to that. You know, you, you feel uh, you feel burdened. Yep, that's ministry. Uh, you feel burdened beyond your strength. Yep, that's ministry. You're despairing of life itself. Um, that that is burnout. Uh, when, when the appraisal of your life, uh, you feel it a holistic soul weariness. Mm. Uh, that that is that is dangerous, um, and so I, I would encourage aspiring aspiring leaders uh, to to grow in your awareness of your meter, right? The the meter from from red to green, because uh, whenever I'm with pastors that are kind of on in the red or in the orange, I, I I read that passage and I ask them, is that you right now? Uh, and if that if that's your experience right now, for how long? Uh, what's your level of hope uh, that it can it can recover? If it's chronic. We take that seriously. And, and I feel like for aspiring pastors or aspiring leaders, you know, they say that uh, you, uh, uh, adversity reveals character, but, but also power reveals character. Um, and so when you enter into these roles and these leadership and you have all the different burdens and responsibilities and the power uh, that, that sits on you and weighs on you and, it, and it, it, things leak out of you, uh, your character will emerge in that. Um, and so I would just encourage a First Timothy 3 kind of mindset that majority of what Paul was saying to Timothy about the noble task of pastoring was work on your character. Right. Uh, pay attention to your character, be attuned to your character, cultivate your character so that when the task be- when the task becomes burdensome, uh, it does not crush your character, uh, but you can actually endure. And, and again, that's not an isolated endeavor. That is an endeavor that happens in the context of community and safety. Mm-hmm. So ha- have the external safety uh, in place, have mentors, have a counselor. I, I have both, I have a spiritual director, uh, but also take the appropriate time uh, to do some, some self-reflection, some journaling, some self-attunement. Not in an indulgent way, but in a stewardship way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do that now. Yeah. So, how uh, can you encourage uh, some folks who may be listening in, and and they may be anywhere on that on on the spectrum from green to red, um, uh, but they're feeling it. They're feeling it. Uh, what's some encouragement that you can give to them? Yeah, well, I definitely don't feel like an expert in any way. I, I feel that burden a lot. Uh, you know, I have I have a heart for this because uh, my counseling practice, I'm able to connect with pastors and ministry leaders, but I'm a pastor as well. And so uh, I don't think you ever get to a place where you don't feel that pressure and feel that tension and you, and you can just say, I've arrived, right? I, I think that is a neglect of the reality of spiritual warfare. We're, we're always engaging um, our, our souls to be surrendered to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I will say this to, to the one that's, that's really feeling it right now. That's in that red and just kind of spiraling down. Um, uh, just want to encourage you. You're, you're, you're not alone and, uh, your soul matters. Uh, your soul matters as much as anyone else. Your, your life matters as much as anyone else. And you might feel discouraged or afraid or ashamed, but God has not forgotten you and he has not left you and you are more than what you do for other people. Mm. Uh, you are more than the noble task of pastoring. You are a beloved child of God. Mm. And if you are at a place where the, that feels less real, um, would encourage you to seek help. Uh, mm. Listen to that. Uh, yes. Cry out to the Lord, do the Psalms of lament. Um, but, but don't, um, don't follow the, the, the flow of isolation. 
bring people into your life that can affirm and reinforce the reality that you are deeply, deeply loved by God, and there's nothing in all of creation that can separate you from it. It's mm. a good word, brother. Mm. Well, that will do it. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I do want to quickly uh, point to a previous episode we have done on sabbaticals. There's some good information there as well. And we also have a, a pastoral sabbatical program uh, that we have through our center. If you're interested uh, in learning more about that, please reach out to us. Uh, if you found this episode helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give us. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.